We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, fellow Packer fans. Welcome into another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast. And quickly, make sure to subscribe. I'll make sure that you don't regret it. I always appreciate your support. I want to start clearly and obviously, with the Packers' releases on the day. Before I get there, we knew it was going to be a day full of movement, some potential trades that we saw throughout the NFL, no trades for the Packers, some interesting, surprising moves. We'll get into all of that, but I want to say one more time, for all those players who ultimately did get released, hoping that they all land on their feet and find a way to overcome, make it on a practice squad. We know that the NFL life cycle is continuous, that there are going to be players that get hurt throughout the course of the year. Those spots will be filled with waiver claims and practice squad call-ups, and those practice squad spots will need to be filled by players who were released during NFL cutdown period. So really hope that a lot of these players do find their way onto NFL rosters, whether that be in Green Bay or elsewhere. I know a lot of dreams were shattered on that Tuesday, and I hope a lot of these guys, like I said, land on their feet, find a way to overcome, and ultimately become better NFL players because of it. Let's go through those releases though. And again, feel for all of these guys and and hopefully they can find a way onto the Packers practice squad or elsewhere. But these were the players that were released. Alex Magoo at quarterback, Patrick Taylor at running back, Nate McCrary at running back, fullback Henry Pearson, wide receivers, Jadakus Bonds, Deuce Watts, Bo Melton, Cody Crest, and Grant DuBose. Tight ends, Austin Allen and Dre Miller. Offensive linemen, Cole Schneider, James Empey, Kadeem Telfort, Gene DeLance, Jason Luan, or excuse me, Gene DeLance, and then defensive linemen, Jason Luan, Antonio Moultrie, and Chris Slayton. Edge rushers, Keyshawn Banks, Aaron Mosby, and Kenneth Odomegwu, which was a procedural move. He will be back on the International Pathway Program on the practice squad as a practice squad exemption. 
Jimmy Phillips and Marvin Pierre at inside linebacker, Elijah Hamilton, Shamar John Charles, William Hooper, Corey Ballantyne, Tyrell Ford, Keandre Thomas, and Innis Gaines at corner. Benny Sapp at safety, Matt Orzik at long snapper, who will be brought back on Wednesday per multiple reports, first reported by Bill Huber. And then Pat O'Donnell was released two days ago as well. So those are the releases. On injured reserve goes Tavarius Moore. So he will be placed on injured reserve. They will ultimately work out a um, you know injury settlement and he'll be gone from injured reserve at some point per Rob Domovsky early in the day, he is ready to come back sooner rather than later. So they're not just going to be able to keep him on IR throughout the course of the year. He's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year anyway, so it wouldn't have done them any good even if they had. So he'll get released at some point off of IR with an injury settlement. And then waived injured were running backs Tyler Goodson and Lou Nichols and long snapper Broughton Hatcher. So they will waive those players injured. They will go through waivers. None of them are going to get claimed because they are injured, which means they'll revert to injured reserve. And then they will also have injury settlements figured out throughout the course of this upcoming season. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. And then the last move was Eric Stokes, who was who stayed on the pup list, I should say. He was already on pup. He stayed on the pup list. So he will miss at least the first four weeks of the regular season. Correction from yesterday's episode when I mentioned, when I went through my glossary of different terms, I said pup is six weeks. That was the old rule. Pup now is four weeks. So just a correction from yesterday's episode. The biggest surprise to me on this was Grant DuBose. And I didn't think anything was overly shocking. And as I was going through this, I thought there were a lot of players that could have made the roster. I thought there were a lot of players that could have been released that even that did, did make the roster. But I do think Grant DuBose is the most surprising and simply because we know just how much Brian Gutekunst loves to keep his rookies on his initial 53-man roster and not subject them to waivers and not release them. Now, Grant DuBose was behind the eight ball because he missed all of rookie minicamp, all of OTAs, all of minicamp, the first half of training camp, family night, the first preseason game, and then had to quickly try to catch up in those last two weeks. I thought that first preseason game, some of the joint practice stuff was pretty good from DuBose. The last game, not as much. I think he really needed to make a bigger impact in that game. And I do think, and I mentioned this on my live show on YouTube, if you you didn't have a chance to check that out, I did mention that I I think Jadakus Bonds and his ascent over the last couple weeks, quite frankly, I thought some of the Jadakus Bonds flashes were better than some of the stuff that Grant DuBose had showed. Now, I do think DuBose has maybe at least an equal or maybe higher level of upside than Jadakus Bonds, but I didn't think it was discernible. And this also like always gets into the, the question of, all right, well, if somebody claims DuBose, are you that much more upset? You're probably going to get Jadakus Bonds back on the practice squad. And if there's no real discernible difference, even if you do lose, lose DuBose to another team, maybe he goes to a different practice squad or maybe he does get claimed, you still have Jadakus Bonds. You were able to keep six of your wide receivers. We'll talk about Bo Melton in a second as well. So I don't think that the risk was that great there, but still a little bit surprising. I really liked his tape coming out of college. I like some of the stuff that I saw on the field. He made a couple really nice contested catches over the middle of the field. He showed that he can potentially be a possession wide receiver. He showed playmaking in college. He also was a pretty darn good blocker in the limited time that we saw him. So it just kind of fit that he would maybe make the roster. And as we look at this team, which ends up super, super young, I just thought that they were going to stick with that and that they were going to keep their their players who have potential upside. And I thought DuBose fit within that. 
they felt otherwise. And I do think, you know, some of these wide receivers that they were able to release, like a Bo Melton and like a Jadakus Bonds, maybe a Cody Crest, they probably feel pretty confident they're going to be able to get two, three of those guys back on the practice squad. And even if they do lose one of them, it's probably not the end of the world, especially when you have a core of six wide receivers that are on your 53-man roster that are all in their rookies, rookie year or second year. So nothing super, super shocking. I talked a little bit about the Matt Orzik possibility on previous episodes, as well as in my debate with Justice the other day. So it's sort of how my weird mind works is, could they release both long snappers to keep an extra guy in the 53 and then maybe play someone on IR to be able to bring back through the course of the season and then bring either Hatcher or Orzik back? That's clearly going to be the case. They kept, I think, what ends up being Luke Tenuta on the active roster who will go on IR, and then they'll bring back Orzik on Wednesday. Again, first reported by Bill Huber that Orzik would be released and then brought back on Wednesday. So just a really quick shout out to Bill Huber and Matt Schneidman and Tom Silverstein and Ryan Wood and all those guys who did so much of the reporting and legwork of all the cutdowns throughout the course of the day, who was being kept. Those guys did a tremendous job as they always do every single year. As I will always tell you, I do not have any sources, not one, not a single one. That's not my thing. I don't really care to have sources. Those guys do a tremendous job with that. So I just wanted to shout them out really quick. Uh, I thought they did an awesome job all day long. So no major surprises. Grant DuBose was probably number one on my list, but I do want to go through a couple of these designations really quick. The injured reserve and waived injured players, which we talked about to various more just a second ago, who will get the injury settlement, as well as Broughton Hatcher, Lou Nichols, and Tyler Goodson. Never say never, but at least for the time being, that means these players are going to be done with the Packers. As I mentioned, Tavarius Moore will get released with an injury settlement, which means that let's, so how that works is let's say they, he has a three week injury. The Packers will have to pay him out of their salary cap and out of real money, uh, out of their bank account for three weeks of his salary. And then in the meantime, he can sign with any team that he wants. And then Green Bay is not allowed to sign him not only for that three weeks, but for three weeks above and beyond that. So they'd have to wait till about week seven till they'd be able to bring Tavarius Moore back, assuming they released him with a three-week injury designation. I don't know, maybe it's five weeks, then it's you know week nine. So We'll see what happens there, but I would be pretty surprised if Tavarius Moore was ever back in Green Bay. And then unfortunately, the same thing probably gets said for Tyler Goodson and Lou Nichols, at least for the foreseeable future. They will also have to release them with an injury designation. And then, you know, there they did do that. They'll ultimately end up back on IR. They'll get waived with an injury settlement and then are released with an injury settlement. And then they'll probably have to go to another team because Green Bay will not be able to resign them for probably six, seven weeks after that, dependence on how long the injury settlement is for. So unfortunately, fan favorite Tyler Goodson, I know he was sort of a little bit of a cult hero and we all loved him. It probably spells the end of his time in Green Bay. Lou Nichols, seventh round pick, probably spells the end of his time in Green Bay. And then, you know, the other one was Tavares Moore, Broughton Hatcher too, probably not going to be brought back at any point. So always a bummer to say goodbye to those sort of players. There were two other players that I talked to Matt Scheinman. He had the, the Matt Scheinman show. He had me on. He mentioned when we were talking on his show that he was told uh, per his sources that there are two players that were released that the Packers have no intentions of bringing back to the practice squad. And that was William Hooper and Gene Delance. So don't look or don't expect those two players to be back. So 
Some players who are probably at the end of their Green Bay tenure, William Hooper, Gene DeLance, Tavarius Moore, Broughton Hatcher, Tyler Goodson, and Lou Nichols. In the NFL, never say never. You never quite know for sure, but there's probably a decent chance that those guys played in the green and gold for their very last time. Meanwhile, two names that were not waived injured, who were injured and not practicing in the very last practice that was open to the media, Bo Melton and Henry Pearson. And at the on to, at the forefront here, like you might be like, who cares? They didn't get waived with an injury settlement, whatever. However, it does make it much more likely that those two players do end up back on the practice squad. Because if they were waived injured, again, you have to go through the whole settlement process and everything like that. Bo Melton and Henry Pearson, not a part of that. So they can immediately, if they're not claimed, come back to the Packers practice squad. I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion. They could get claimed. They could sign to another practice squad. But had they been waived injured, it would have made it much less likely that they were actually on the Packers practice squad. So this opens up the possibility that they could be on that. We'll go over the practice squad and my predictions for the practice squad a little bit later in the episode. Your ultimate opening 53-man roster for this season, and this can change. There could be waiver claims. We know Matt Orzik's going to get added. Luke Tenuta probably goes on IR. So there's still going to be some of this that's in flux over the course of the next week and a half. But as of right now, as I'm recording this, two quarterbacks, Jordan Love and Sean Clifford, no real surprise there. Three running backs, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Emmanuel Wilson. Emmanuel Wilson, great story. He had to really overcome three other running backs that were very clearly ahead of him when he signed as an undrafted free agent. Patrick Taylor, Mr. Do-Everything, the job description that both Brian Gutekinds and Matt LaFleur laid out, special teams, pass protection, catching the ball, that is Patrick Taylor to a T. That is exactly what he does. And you know, like I said, Mr. Do-Everything, maybe not spectacular at anything, but he matches exactly what they want out of that number three running back. They had, he had to beat Patrick Taylor out. Then you had Lou Nichols, a seventh round draft choice. And yes, Lou Nichols' injury certainly played a, a factor here in him maybe not getting quite the fair shake of everything because of the injuries. But I said it before and I'll say it right now, even going back to OTA's mini camps when Lou Nichols was healthy, to me, Emmanuel Wilson looked ahead of Lou Nichols from day one. He just looked better, period. And then Tyler Goodson, same thing. Injuries played a factor here as well, but this is a very talented running back, catches the ball of the backfield well, not the pass protector, not the special teams guy, but a very good running back. Emmanuel Wilson came in behind all three of them. So to beat all three of them out, also beat out Nate McCrary later, and make it on the 53-man roster because we knew that they could have just gone with two running backs like they did last year and try to get all these guys, you know, a couple of these guys back on the practice squad. But instead, they go with three. That's what it meant for them to not subject Emmanuel Wilson to waivers. I thought they would go with Patrick Taylor. I thought they'd feel pretty comfortable that they could get Wilson back. They didn't want to test it. And I will say this. I mentioned that that pass protection play that Wilson had. I think that was a big factor, just showing that he can do it, showing that he could do it at a high level. I thought that was important. But the the bigger thing here is there were just some runs. The 80-yard run against the Bengals and his ability to run away from the defense, I thought that was special. And then this past week, which I thought was his worst running performance of the three games, he had a, a play where he's trying to get around the corner and you're just like, there's no way that this 220 pound back, whatever he is, is getting around this corner. Once you know it, 12 yards later, he gets around the corner, picks up a first down and shows off what's really a a shocking and surprising burst. When you look at him, you don't expect him to have that. He's got, he runs behind his pads well. He's got great size. He's got 
ridiculous speed for his size. Like that comes out of nowhere, can get around the corner. He's pretty shifty in the hole. He's been running over people in practice when they, when he's been able to do so. He's a fun player and a good running back. And I think he earned that spot. And it's one of the cool stories of the players who who made the initial 53 man roster. Hello, friends. First of all, I just want to say thank you for listening to and being a supporter of the Packaday podcast. You have all helped make Packaday one of the most downloaded sports podcasts in the world today. And I want to sincerely thank you for that. For those of you who don't know, Packaday is part of the Blue Wire podcast network. It's our partnership with Blue Wire that allows us to bring you this amazing Packers content 365 days a year. Blue Wire currently has over 300 shows with former athletes, celebrities, media professionals, and passionate fans like us. Over the past few years, they've raised over $10 million to grow and operate business and support podcasts like the Packaday Podcast. Now, Blue Wire is raising another round of funding by utilizing WeFunder. This funding will help support Blue Wire sales team and improve operations. This is giving everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing company. This is not a donation. You are literally investing to own a piece of Blue Wire. A few years ago, I took the leap and started partnering with Blue Wire, and it was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I'm hoping you'll consider doing the same. If you would like to be part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. That's wefunder.com slash bluewire. And remember, supporting Blue Wire is another way to support the Packaday podcast and our Packaday podcast team. Thank you. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game, I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy, you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two clicks only in fact, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never need to dig through your email. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Six wide receivers. We talked about Grant Dubose. No other real surprise here. Samori Toure, especially with maybe the injuries to Dobbs and Wicks, I didn't think there was any real chance he was going to get released. But Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Malik Heath, Samori Toure, and Dontavian Wicks ultimately make it. Malik Heath, really cool story there as well, and well-deserved, well-earned. And I think he goes into the season as number four wide receiver. Three tight ends, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, Josiah DeGuara. They don't keep Austin Allen. Not super surprising. I thought he showed out well as a blocker in the last preseason game, but probably not exactly what his MO is. I'm sure their hope is that he gets back on the practice squad and they can continue to develop him. I think they'll also look at some waiver claims and some potential you know, players who got cut that could fill that spot. But for now, Musgrave, Kraft, and Josiah DeGuara. Six offensive tackles, David Bakhtiari, Zach Tom, Rashid Walker, Yash Nyman, and Caleb Jones to go along with Luke Tenuta, who, as I mentioned, will likely get placed on IR and then they'll pick, pick Matt Orzik back up. But six to begin with, five probably as of tomorrow. Five interior offensive linemen, Elton Jenkins, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Sean Ryan, and then Royce Newman. I think Newman, one of the surprises that made it. I understand it. I know a lot of people wanted Royce Newman gone. I thought he was going to get cut. I thought he had a really poor training camp preseason, etc. But if Royce Newman's your 11th offensive lineman, or even 10th once you put Tenuta on IR, I'm okay with that. I don't think, I don't think you want him out on the field. But if things got to the point where you needed a 10th offensive lineman, you're going to do a lot worse on almost every team in the NFL than Royce Newman as your 10th. This is a guy who played a thousand snaps just two years ago as a rookie and played really well enough that you didn't have to worry about him all that often. He, he was a solid, decent, you know, what I would call like a replacement level, like average player at guard for a 13 win team. And if that's your 10th guy, you can live with that. Now he needs to get better. He needs better focus. He needs better intensity. Like he's got to find a level to play at that he hasn't yet to earn that spot. What I'm surprised by is that Brian Gudikin said, we've got to get better. It can't be status quo. And to me, Royce Newman is like, you know what you have, but still on his rookie contract, I can understand it. And like I said, the, the offensive line situation in the NFL is not great at the moment. So if you've got a guy who started, you know, a bunch of games in this league and has played a bunch of snaps and it, it might just be worth keeping him around. And I, I'm not super thrilled slash excited about it. I just hope he gets better, but I certainly understand it as a 10th, 11th offensive lineman on your team, especially with the state of the offensive line in the NFL. Six defensive linemen, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Colby Wooden, Carl Brooks, and Jonathan Ford. I thought Ford might be a little bit more on the fringe. However, Justice brought up a great point. You got Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton as your only two nose tackles and really slash run defenders. Devontae Wyatt, Colby Wood, and Carl, Carl Brooks, not great run defenders at this point. Jonathan Ford maybe can give you eight to 10 snaps in a rotational role on game day, and that's probably worth keeping him on the roster in and of itself. Six edge rushers, as we sort of predicted, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, LVN, Kingsley and Igbari, Justin Hollins, and Brenton Cox. Cox, the, the great story here. He went through all the trouble in college, gets kicked out of two different programs, was really one of the top high school prospects. And there was a lot of people who thought he was at some point going to be a top 100 pick in the NFL draft. He has all the off-field and, and just issues with the team and gets kicked out of two programs, as I mentioned. 
really cool to see him get the the second chance and hopefully he makes the most of it, makes the 53. And I think it probably starts off as a little bit of a red shirt. I don't know how many games he's going to get active as a sixth edge rusher, but I think they were smart to keep him with the upside that he has. Five inside linebackers, the only five that really had a chance, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, Tariq Carpenter, and Eric Wilson. Carpenter does make it. I had some question if he would or not. Predicted that he would, but he ultimately does make it. They give him a little bit more time to develop at that new inside linebacker position for him. Only four corners, as I had predicted. Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, Carrington Valentine. There just wasn't another corner on the roster who, quite frankly, was deserving of a 53 spot. They'll supplement it with practice squad call-ups. Look for some of the guys they cut to get put on the practice squad. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Five safeties, Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Anthony Johnson Jr., and Dallin Levitt. I thought maybe Traverius Moore would be in there over Jonathan Owens. I think Moore's injury definitely played a part in this, but they bring back Owens, who didn't play great on defense, but did play pretty sound on special teams. Anders Carlson at kicker, Daniel Whalen at punter. And as I mentioned, Matt Orzik will get back on the active roster this week with Luke Tenuta likely going on IR. The weaknesses on the roster, tight end, you've only got three. None of them are great blockers. Josiah DeGuara, Luke Musgrave, and Tucker Craft. Look for them to use a sixth offensive lineman in some of that Mercedes Lewis role and look for them to potentially look for a blocking tight end or just any tight end in the waivers or probably maybe supplementing that on the practice squad a little bit. I'm sure they'll love to get Austin Allen back if possible. Corner, only four. As I mentioned, look for them to supplement that on the practice squad. But if there's a corner that they liked, wouldn't be completely shocking if they picked up a fifth corner in waivers. And then safety. They don't really have a true great starting safety group and they need to try to improve that. And they don't really have any players that they're developing, you know, developing as potential starters on the road. Anthony Johnson Jr., the only exception to that, the only safety on the roster that's under contract next year. I'm sure they'd love to try to find somebody who's also under contract and maybe has some years of control. But for now, they are just a little bit weak at safety. They need some more corners and they'll get Eric Stokes back eventually, which will help. And they could probably use a little bit more depth at tight end as well. If you're wondering where they're at in the waiver claim system, they are 15th in the waiver claims. So they'll have to sit through the other 14 teams going through claims first if they want someone. And then they are at number 15. As far as my predictions went, I hit 49 out of 53. Luke Tenuta, Daniel Whalen, both I had on my 53. I think those were ones that a lot of people didn't have. I was pleased with that. Four corners I had, which again, I don't think a ton of people had. Caleb Jones, Brenton Cox. Overall, I was pleased with getting some of that stuff right. I talked about releasing both long snappers. It didn't end up happening, but I'll own my misses. I had Patrick Taylor. They kept Emmanuel Wilson. I had Tavarius Moore. They kept Jonathan Owens. I had Grant DuBose. They kept Royce Newman. And I had Matt Orzik. They kept Jonathan Ford. So Matt Orzik will make it. So only a half miss there, but I was just going initial 53 and that's what we base it on. So I will take my L on the four misses. I know Matt... Um, Matt Pickett uh, did a full breakdown of like tracking everyone's 53. And I think it was uh, Wendell, uh, who, Wendell Ferrer, I, I just, excuse my pronunciation of his last name. I'm not a million percent sure off the top of my head, but he won it with 50. So only one off of the leader and I'll take that. Not too, not too shabby overall. My official practice squad predictions, so I can own my mistakes on this one tomorrow as well. Alex Magoo, Jadakus Bonds, Bo Melton, Grant DuBose, Henry Pearson, Austin Allen, James Empey, Kadeem Telfort, Antonio Moultrie, Keyshawn Banks, Aaron Mosby, Jimmy Phillips, 
Corey Ballantyne, Keandre Thomas, Benny Sapp, and then I'll keep one spot open where they could maybe add someone, but I think they'll ultimately take a look at a fresh body, at least one fresh body, if not a couple more than that as well. Kenneth Odomegwu will go on the International Pathway Program as the 17th practice squad player that they have an exception for. Remember, he did have to go through waivers first. It's not like he's going to get claimed, but they did have to go through that procedure, and then he'll come back on the practice squad as of Wednesday. Some players that were released that I think they could have some interest in in the waiver system. Zach Kuntz, seventh round pick for the New York Jets, had a 10.0 relative athletic score, a hundredth percentile. He is like the tight end. I could see Brian having interest in that type of athlete at the position. It's a little bit redundant to the Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave. He's more of a receiving tight end, not really a blocking tight end, but he's a fun developmental player. Jets not in the position to develop players right now. Really, they are in complete win now mode. So maybe they could steal one there and take one of their seventh round picks and add them to the Packers roster. Trey Dean, a safety also from the Jets. This is another potential draft and develop player, or at least in this case, undrafted and develop player. I thought he had a really nice preseason, 8.62 relative athletic score. He's a safety out of Florida. Could partner back up with uh, Brenton Cox, who they played together at Florida. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's another player that I could see. He's a little bit more of an upside play. I know some people thought he was soft in college. I do think he took a step in the NFL and playing this preseason with the Jets, but that's another one. Travis Vakolek, tight end for the Ravens, had a really nice preseason, 7.95 relative athletic score. Ravens had a bulk of players at tight end, and I think that's one too that just got caught up in the numbers game. Green Bay could have some interest there. Darius Rush is an interesting one. 9.80 relative athletic score, corner for the Colts, fifth round pick. Colts released him flat out, had a rough training camp in preseason, no question about it. But Green Bay's not in win now mode. They're trying to develop some of these players. Maybe just try Rush on special teams to begin with and see if he can work out some of the kinks because athletically, he is really, really good. I think he had a pick six in the first preseason game too. Makai Garner, undrafted corner out of LSU, 8.98 relative athletic score. Eagles just got caught up. They had a ton of corners that were worthy of making a roster. I thought Garner was one of them. Was also one of their core special teams guys in preseason. Could see him as a potential fifth guy at the cornerback position in Green Bay. Tristan McCollum, another one at safety for the Eagles. If you want to claim guys, look to the Eagles. Like they just had so much freaking depth that that's probably a place you want to look. I thought McCollum was a 53-man roster uh, caliber safety that they had that they just, again, had to release because they had too many too many of those type of guys. 9.94 relative athletic score guy. And then Clint Rat- Ratkovich, who was one of the top fullbacks last year uh, in the draft. He had an injury right before the draft but was a 9.36 relative athletic score guy, fullback Falcons. They released him. He could be a potential fullback for Green Bay. So Zach Kuntz, Trey Dean, Travis Vakolak, Darius Rush, Makai Garner, Tristan McCollum, and Clint Ratkovich, maybe a few names to keep an eye on if they did want to make some claims on Wednesday. All right. State of the roster overall, extremely young. I know um, Dare Carragher for Packer Report, he mentioned that this is like the youngest roster in six years. Not super surprising. Only three players age 30 or over, Devondre Campbell and David Bakhtiari and Preston Smith. Those are your three 30 or older. A lot of youth on this team. There's going to be some learning curve and uh, some growing pains along the way. Expect that, but it's a really fun roster nonetheless as well. If they do go and claim some players, don't expect a lot of veterans. This is a team that's clearly rebuilding, youngest roster probably in the NFL 
Again, Darius said it's the youngest roster in six years, which I trust him. So don't expect a 30-year-old free agent signing. This is going to be a team that stays young and tries to get guys who are under contract in subsequent seasons because they're not really playing for a Super Bowl in 2023, if we're being totally honest. All right, some players who were on the 53-man roster last year for Green Bay who will no longer be on the team, at least on the initial 53 in 2023. So these are players who all played at least a snap of defense, offense, or special teams last year who did not make the 53, at least the initial 53 this year. Aaron Rodgers, Kylan Hill, Patrick Taylor, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Juwan Winfrey, Amari Rodgers, Tyler Davis, who is on IR for the Green Bay Packers, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon, and Jake Hansen. On defense, Dean Lowry, Jerron Reed, Jonathan Garvin, Ladarius Hamilton, Kobe Jones, remember him, big training camp cult hero a season ago, Tipa Naliai, Chris Barnes, Shamar Jean Charles, Corey Ballantyne, Adrian Amos, Micah Abernathy, Innes Gaines, Jonathan Abram, and then special teams players, Mason Crosby, Ramiz Ahmed, and Jack Coco. Those are all the players who played at least one snap on offense, defense, or special teams a season ago who did not make the initial 53-man roster in Green Bay this season. All right, last but not least, I wanted to look at the draft classes uh, over the last decade, basically, and see how many players from each draft class ended up making this 53-man roster. In 2023, so this season, 11 of their 13 draft picks made the roster. 2022 draft, 11 of their 11 draft picks. So every single player from the 2022 draft class still on the roster in 2023. In 2021, if you include Eric Stokes, who's on the pup list, five of the nine draft picks still on the team, four of the nine from 2020, three of the eight from 2019, only one of the 11 from 2018, only one of 10 from 2017, one of seven from 2016, none of the eight from 2015, none of the nine from 2014, and then one of the 11 from 2013, which is David Bakhtiari. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Thank you for bringing uh, or just joining me for this entire 53-man roster analysis. I always appreciate you guys. Check out the live episode from yesterday if you haven't already. Also, Dusty and Sarah have a great episode up on the audio podcast, breaking down the 53 as well. If you're sick of me and want to get a little bit more of a different viewpoint on everything, they are, of course, phenomenal. But I appreciate you guys. Subscribe, like, comment. We have a, a troll in the comments of Apple Podcasts, by the way, who keeps writing awful comments. So if you could even his douchiness out, if you could write a great review on Apple, I'd appreciate that as well. That's it. See you guys tomorrow. Until next time. And as always, go Pack Go. 